Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Thursday, 17th of June. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific shares are trading lower this morning following losses on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo is down about 1%. Seoul isn't far behind. Sydney is off half a percent in early trade. Investors there have their eyes on the latest Australian jobs data, which comes out at 9.30 a.m. local time. Joining me now to break down all the market actions, starting with interest rates and the U.S. Federal Reserve. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Quite a bit to unpack today. Indeed. Our lead story is going to come as no surprise to our listeners, but the contents of the story did surprise many investors overnight. I am talking about the U.S. Federal Reserve. It concluded its two-day meeting overnight, issuing the standard communique. Then Chairman Jerome Powell emerged for his news conference. All standard fare, right? But what about inflation? Is it transitory or long-term? We've been asking that question all week. Powell stuck to his guns and reassured the markets that the price increases are temporary. But, and here's the surprise, the Fed is indicating it may raise interest rates a bit sooner than expected. So Ryan, if the price increases that we've been witnessing of late are not a matter of concern, why does the Fed want to raise rates sooner than expected? Yeah, it does come as a bit of a surprise to markets when you've been hearing the message being repeated so often that you are maybe looking at inflation being transitory, especially after seeing such a huge spike in recent weeks. And just last week, we had consumer prices at their highest in 13 years. And that was uh, with the CPI for May at around 5%. And you've also got the tighter market for jobs. We'll get to that later. Um, but very interesting contrast when you have this inflation picture and then them saying it's transitory. But you've got interest rates, that time frame being moved forward from 2024 to 2023. But here's the thing, uh, he poured a bit of cold water on that um, expectations, trying to manage it. And here's where the intricacies of the dot plot graph comes in. It's a vote amongst the FOMC members. Um, There's around 14 of them. So it's going to be up to each individual member to decide what is their own outlook. And now, in the space of three months, you've got a few of them a bit more optimistic than they were three months ago. And you have to bear in mind that three months ago, they were saying no rate hikes until 2024. But when you look at the graph now, a few more of them have put their dot above the median forecast for inflation, or rather for rate hikes. So if I look at the rates and the dots right now, there are about seven that are saying maybe no rate hikes and then the rest of them are saying around 11 of them saying we might see um, right now a possible two rate hikes come 2023. So that is what markets are starting to um, price in as we see the negative reaction so far. So can you just sum up for us what the latest dot plot shows? I mean, is there greater consensus behind the need to raise rates now? Well, it's just slightly above the middle part. So it's pretty much split, just slightly more um, on the, I would say 60% of them are, si- hmm. are saying that they might see rate hikes in 2023. And this is really an acknowledgement, I think, of how you've seen the labour market pick up, you've seen inflation indicators pick up. But at the same time, Fetcher Jerome Powell came out to say, don't get carried away by reading too much into the dot plot graph because 
uh, he wants to see a couple of things happen before they, as a whole, as a committee, as a consensus, decide what to do next uh, on interest rates. And this is around how inflation needs to be sticky and it needs to stay that way for a few months of quite some time. And the other big part is the jobs market needs to really recover to where it was before the COVID-19 pandemic and also not just recover in terms of headline numbers, but also see growth in many pockets of the population, the minority groups and some of the poorer groups of people. They need to really see improvements there before they start to think about really moving rates in a bigger fashion. So it's a bit more of an inclusive, encompassing approach to growth that they want to see as a criteria now. All right. So far, we've been talking about interest rates, but the markets were also on the lookout for signs of whether the Fed will begin tapering off its large monthly bond purchases. Was there any news on this front? There was no news. (laughs) News and no news. It's a bit of yes and no. So we didn't get any timelines per se on when they might taper. Of course, the big question was when they might taper off the back of so many strong indicators. But we did get him acknowledging that they have started talking about talking about tapering. So that is a bit of a milestone. That has been a message for quite some time. Finally, it's at that point where they have started to admit they have started to talk about it. So if you look at maybe where the interest rate expectations are, 2023, if you work backwards, you typically need about a year for tapering to happen. So we could see tapering maybe happening next year. The U.S. Federal Reserve is currently purchasing 120 billion U.S. dollars of treasury and mortgage bonds every month. Every month, and one of the objectives of this is to keep long-term interest rates low and encourage home buying. While we don't know when the Fed will begin to taper off these purchases, it will be before it raises rates, which at this point is likely still at least 18 months away. So stay tuned now for the Fed meetings in August or September for more details. That's what I'm going to be looking out for. Next up, let's talk about the market's reaction to the Fed's communique and Jay Powell's remarks. Kind of predictable, don't you think? It was. And I think to a certain extent, there are a couple of factors here at play. So negative reaction. And this is off the back of a pretty strong run in recent weeks. So you've got that excuse for investors to take profit and also maybe sell on the fact. And this is something they were looking out for. Um, The possibility of rate hikes being talked about. And with that, we actually saw bond yields going up to the highest levels in two weeks. So up eight basis points to 1.58%. And that is possibly going to weigh on the growth and tech names when you have interest rates going up. That is not going to be good news for the future borrowings of uh, these tech names. So on the flip side, maybe banks and financials could see some tailwinds, um, some support in the near term. But overall, markets were selling off um, across the board. And if that is the case, if you look at the 11 S&P 500 sectors, it was red for all 11. And another thing worth noting is we did get a few pockets of um, support that saw some of the reopening names like the cruise lines and the airline stocks getting some Um, support from investors. So I think maybe that is some investors reading into how the Fed is a bit more optimistic on the growth outlook. And they upgraded the growth um, forecast to 7% from 6.5%. And inflation, they have also raised their forecast. 
That is now at 3.4% for this year. That is a full percentage point from their previous projection in March. As you mentioned, the US markets paired their losses in the late afternoon, but the Dow still finished down 0.8%. The Nasdaq and S&P 500, they had smaller losses. The inflation and interest rate story, at least here in Asia, let's move from that, uh, turns to Indonesia and Taiwan today. Central banks in both markets are meeting today. So what are they likely to do in the wake of the Fed's latest announcement? And what does this mean for investors? I'm going to start with Taiwan. The central bank there needs to grapple with a number of new risks, including faster inflation, a recent and sudden COVID-19 outbreak, not to mention a currency that's hovering near a two-year high. Hi, Ryan, what is Taiwan's central bank likely to do? Will it keep rates low or will it raise them? Yeah, for central banks, it's typically a an approach where they want to make sure there's stability, a bit of predictability. And this is a bit tough when you have the Fed um, really um, taking a lead and starting to move. They now have to figure out, do they move in lockstep or do they take a more cautious approach? And that is the balancing act that many central banks in Asia will start to have to figure out. And for some of them, they will be in a tighter position because of their fiscal positions. So zooming in on Taiwan, Mm -hmm. uh, a stronger currency is not good news for Taiwan because of their exporting market. So they will likely try to avoid raising rates there. And they are also looking at a couple of things happening on the COVID-19 front, which is something they are trying to manage. So they are in a spot where they want to probably take a wait-and-see approach on how all these factors uh, pan out. So market consensus estimates have them not moving from their record low of 1.125%. The Taiwanese dollar is the best performing currency in Asia so far this year. It has appreciated more than 2% against the US dollar. Let's turn now to Indonesia, where its central bank is also meeting today. At 3.5%, rates there are already a couple percentage points higher than in Taiwan. So what is Indonesia's central bank likely to do, Ryan? Uh, Indonesia is one of those countries which has to do this balancing act a bit more cautiously. And this is likely to see them... Also, stay pat for a fourth straight month. And it has a couple of risks, financial risks that he has to weigh. Um, You've got, of course, the Fed tightening policy. And long term, that could see some of the capital um, outflows moving away from emerging markets like Indonesia towards the US. So they might try to figure out what's the best way to do that. At the same time, you have the central bank reiterating that they are not likely to cut rates because they uh, want to make sure that they want to keep the currency stable. So cutting rates to help some of their businesses, local businesses, um, see more growth momentum. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if they do cut rates, it might see them see their currency depreciate and also see the currency uh, weaken and that could see inflation. So that is going to be... Um, something they are trying to figure out as well, a uh, wait-and-see approach. For those interested in Indonesian stocks, the Jakarta Composite has rallied over the past month. It is up 5% and since January, it's risen more than 20%. Now time for corporate stories and other items in the news. And for that, it's time for our game, Up or Down. You know how it's played. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Air travel in Asia. I would say it's sadly a down. And this is because... Our finance minister, Lawrence Wong, has said 
is not likely to happen in the near term because across the region, you've got COVID-19 infections, some spots uh, really struggling to keep the lid on the situation. So not so good news for prospects of any air travel happening soon. Which probably means good news for those staycations mm. and uh, hotel bookings. Now, the locally listed company Marco Polo Marine is next on my list. Yeah, this has been a stock that has been getting quite a bit of attention in the analyst space. Mm. And this is the latest one coming through from RHB, so it's an up for me. They have initiated coverage on Marco Polo with a buy call target price 4.1 cents. And this is because they think there's going to be growth potential from Marco Polo going into the offshore wind farm space. And also Marco Polo is looking to get into the business or is in the business of chartering offshore sport vessels. And that has begun serving some of these wind farms in Taiwan. So target price 4.1 cents. Mm-hmm. Latest price we have is 3 cents. All right. So, yeah, up for Marco Polo Marine for me as well. On the back of Investment House, RHB issuing that buy call on the ship builder. RHB saying the stock could be a green energy play given its move to serving wind farms in Taiwan. Next up, General Motors. All right. General Motors will be an up for me. And this is because they are stepping on the pedal when it comes to investing in EVs. And they think... They are looking at strong consumer demand. So they are going to be raising spending by 30% to $35 billion through 2025. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, for me, it's a down because GM says it expects inflation and the semiconductor shortage to increase its costs by a whopping $3 billion US dollars in the second half of this year. But at the same time, it's also investing more in electric vehicles and its share price is up nearly 50% since the start of the year. So I think those higher costs are going to weigh on it though. So I I'm would go argue down. that it's pretty much industry pressure. So mm. they are going to be in the same spot as their rivals. So maybe it's going to be equal. Oh, well, we'll see where that whopping $3 billion spend takes them up or down. Next up, SK Telecom. Okay, SK Telecom wants to be in the next SoftBank. And if you're not familiar with SK Telecom, it's the largest telco in South Korea. And they are talking about wanting to, in a way, shed their conservative image to become more of a dynamic type of investor like SoftBank. So they are looking to spend $5 billion over the next three years on acquisitions. Yeah. Up for me, Korea's largest mobile company wants to do a lot more than provide cell phone service. So that $5 billion US dollar fund will invest in startups. And SK Telecom officials say that their motivation for doing this is simple. They want SK Telecom's share price to go up. Let's check in on local stocks 19 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell more than 1% yesterday to 31.39. How's it doing, Ryan? Is it trading down in line with the rest of the region this morning? Yeah, yesterday's drop. A bit of pressure from the news from Minister Lawrence Wong, who kind of warned that they are reviewing whether next week we might lift restrictions. So that is one to watch. So that dampened market sentiment. So only one STI constituent was in the green. That was Taibev yesterday. And let's take a look at what's happening today. It is extending losses. It's down by 0.3%. 3,130 points. That is, I believe, the lowest levels in nearly three weeks. And if you look at STI... Right now, on the board, you've got only six STI constituents in the green. The top is ComfortDelGro. And let's take a look at the bottom. We've got 
Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust down 1.4%. SIA, again, near the bottom, is down by 1.2%. And what's worth tracking would be, are you a fan of luncheon meat? Always. So, OTS Holdings uh, are making their Catalyst debut today Mm -mm. after raising money from the IPO. And of course, they are known for their luncheon meat brand, Golden Bridge. And um, just making their market debut with their IPO invitation price at 23 cents is now at 29 cents. First tried in Korea, luncheon meat fries. Have you had that? Spam fries. I think uh, (laughs) that is something I will try to avoid. (laughs) It's just too sinful. <laughs> it really is. It's a great treat. Well, thanks very much, Ryan Huang there in Market View, 921 on the clock. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.